Welcome to the Hired Geek Podcast, where we explore the impact of edtech on the student experience with engaging, fun, and relevant conversations that honor the wide range of work happening all across the higher ed ecosystem. I'm your host, Dustin Ramsdale, Community Engagement Lead at Pathify. Join me every week for discussions with some of the best minds in education technology. The Hired Geek Podcast is a proud member of the Enrollify Podcast Network, a robust collection of shows designed to help higher education professionals like you grow every day. Explore all of our other shows at Enrollify.org or check out some of my personal favorites linked in the show notes below. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered all-in-one student engagement platform helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com. Something I have been excited to see recently in a lot of different sort of forms and shapes and different places is uh, sort of the kind of proliferation advent of uh, the ways that we help enable sort of tangible learning experiences for students, whether it is in K through 12 or higher ed uh, around t- content creation. So that can be specifically oriented towards podcasting or any a number of things. But I think somebody who kind of taught myself a lot of things, I really appreciate that we're creating really uh, sort of intentional, meaningful, tangible, hands-on learning experiences for students to learn how to record high quality audio and video and edit and uh, publish things and everything. So that is what we'll be talking about today. You know, one organization is helping to kind of enable those sort of experiences for students all across the country. But uh, we will start as we always do, Josh, if you want to uh, briefly introduce yourself, uh, then we'll get into uh, Padcaster and more of uh, your kind of background and our conversation for today. First, Dustin, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a little while, and uh, it's always nice to talk about, uh, to geek out about this, but also talk about it in broader terms. But my name is Josh Apter. I'm the founder and CEO of Padcaster. And, um, you know, we the, the trade show pitch is that we're a hardware and software end-to-end video solution, not just for education, but certainly a big footprint in education, uh, K-12 and higher ed. Um, but, you know, we try to basically demystify the process, the process of content creation by using um, iPads and other mobile devices, which are naturally intuitive, um, vertically integrated, right? There's really nothing else that you can capture, edit, and, and distribute without going from one platform to another. So it's a kind of a unique tool, but an iPad's about as ergonomic as a lunch tray in the cafeteria. So we initially created something that would hold it more like a camera, allow you to use it and treat it and mount things to it and mount it to things more like a camera. And it just grew from there uh, to be a full solution in terms of lighting and audio and uh, green screens, which a lot of schools are really interested in. And then, of course, the software that we're um, in deep beta about to release that uh, really takes a lot of the, the these features that we've been kind of referring people out to and then takes it kind of all under one roof under one name, one number to call if there's any issue or anything. And we're really looking forward to that. If, if folks are familiar or heard of uh, podcasts, like I stumble upon it at an event and I was just really impressed, like, because I think so much, uh, or so many other organizations are maybe exclusively focused on like the software side. And maybe it's just for like, uh, audio podcasting and that's it. And it's like, that is one obviously big chunk of it, but like, you know, you were taking, First and foremost, the the hardware perspective and the video and you know green screen like there's so much more kind of to play with there. But then, uh, very excited to see that you are also embracing like the the software as well, kind of an all in one sort of solution there. There's so much you know that comes in, uh, I think, a, a conversation if you're thinking about doing this. So um, yeah, just all little bits and pieces. Yeah, the lighting, the the you know the recording of it and the uh, the video and everything. But how did you kind of come to all of this? Because I feel like uh, it's certainly like a 
switch that kind of is flipped, I guess, in the sense of like you want to help kind of teach and enable others, like, you know, if that's something that you've always done or sort of got inspired somehow to kind of get into, like, what's your kind of professional background in this area? Well, um, I did an ISTE Ignite session years and years ago, and it was one of these things where you had to follow slides and you had like 15 seconds and they would auto advance. And so you really had to know. And I was like, oh, my God, how I, A, I can't do this. And B, how am I going to do this? And it started by my saying, you know, like I'm a, a father, an educator, an inventor, right? Like those all three things are very important to me and they're all a major part of my life. And I trained as a filmmaker made films and I still do, although they get shorter and shorter as I get more and more busy. But I also started a school Manhattan edit workshop that trains in film editing and production. And so I've been doing that for 20 years. So education has always been very, very important part of my day-to-day -day life. Um, and Padcaster was very much accidentally born out of that. Um, we were at NAB years ago, invited by B&H Photo, who sold our training. It was sort of like a side of fries where you bought, you know, the Adobe Creative you know, it wasn't Creative Cloud then, but you'd buy the installer discs and then training from us. And so as we were out there, the iPad 2 had come out. And so I went to shoot videos with it. And it was really bizarre. It was fun. I was shooting the video. I put bumpers on it and uploaded it right from the show floor and over a data plan. So it was like, I didn't know what that was. I was sort of just as a filmmaker looking at like, well, what's an interesting way to, to do this? And it seemed unique. Um, you know, so it, and it also combines a lot of different disciplines. My dad was an engineer. Um, so I engineered this case and it went through all the different Iron Man suits to get to the, the version that is the one that is, is around now. But I think at the heart of it, the reason that education came to us uh, um, and we have been so you know happy to, to work with education is because this is how kids learn. You know, uh, video learners is thrown around a lot, but if you talk about student engagement when you start to introduce not just audio and podcasting, but audio and video and um, all of the collaborative elements that go into content creation in its truest sense, I, it's no surprise that you get greater engagement. You're, you're required to. I remember in film school, like you were thrown on a crew and you were the sound person and that person was shooting and that person was directing and you would rotate. And if you weren't invested in doing a good job as the focus puller, why would they be invested in doing good sound for you? Like it, you all became interdependent. And so seeing video, you know, video creation applied in education, K-12 higher ed, regardless, it immediately inspires collaboration and um, the kind of critical thinking and, and throwing around of ideas that's so vital to that. And, you know, so it's no, it's no surprise that people, it's not just, yeah, I can turn my phone on and point it to anything I want and make an idiotic TikTok post out of it. It's, it's truly, would you rather make a documentary piece about something and share it with your class than write a 20 page paper about it? And I, you know, um, I didn't have a choice when I was growing up, but I think a lot of people now, uh, understand that it's in a way almost more powerful to try to evoke something instead of to try to tell something and just, you know, using, and not that writing is bad, it's core, but, you know, storytelling is more than that. And, and video brings more of those elements to play. Yeah. I think that's what the interesting moment we are in right now is that I've seen even in courses that I've take, taken recently is that like, yeah, like they are open to you submitting assignments in different modalities. If it's like, okay, you wanted to do an audio or video or uh, write something and all that, like that's fine. And I think 
it's kind of interesting for somebody like myself, like you said, it's like, oh, we, we wouldn't have had choices going through like K through 12 or, you know, maybe undergrad or something. But uh, now for so many reasons, like you're saying, there's kind of this like what begets what, I guess, like chicken or the egg, whatever, but where like students are going to be engaged better with like videos or at least short form video. But then it's like, okay, well then we can, you know, create that content for them to teach them. But then it's like, well, we could also teach them how to create that content and like kind of keep getting more like meta, I guess, of like you're learning during the experience of making a video. And then maybe that video could then teach someone else something like about American history or something like, you know, so it's like very interesting. We're like, everything is sort of intentional. Everything is a learning experience where it's, it's the skills itself about, yeah, I'm the audio guy. So I'm learning how to do audio. It's, you know, the cooperation, it's the sort of like, the confidence and the authenticity, the sort of vulnerability of putting something out there for other people to sort of, you know, consume and maybe they're going to give you feedback and being, you know, and that's kind of part of the process. Like there's like every step of the way, great learning that can happen. And I guess that like certain things are just going to be better suited than others where it's like just trying to make those kind of identifications of like, okay, maybe this is going to be a really great concept to drive home by doing a group project that's creating a video. And how are we, setting up everybody for success versus just being by the default, which again is okay of like, yeah, everybody's got phones. Just go out and film some stuff. It's like we could do that or like all the sort of bits and pieces, the hardware, software, whatever, like make sure pretty much everybody's at kind of like an equal playing field of being able to, you know, sort of manifest their vision or, you know, whatever it is the best way possible. So I think like those are things that I'm thinking of is just like, I know you've been kind of, doing the work of podcaster for a while and identifying how it's sort of like kind of evolved over time. But like, if you want to just maybe to kind of explain that a little bit more, we can spend some time here of like how you've seen this work change over the years of like, you know, all the way back of like early iPads and maybe just now where like, I know like iPhone cameras have gotten like incredibly powerful to capture like high quality videos. So like, what are some of those dynamics that you've sort of adapted to of like how this work, you know, has changed over the years? Well, I think it was obviously very primitive. The first iPad didn't have a camera, so it was just a consumption machine. And that's why I rejected it outright because I was like, well, my kids have many things they can watch crap on. They don't need another thing. The idea that it had a camera on the second generation literally pointed in the other direction, right? It observes, it sees, it captures, it tells a story. But it was very primitive at the time. It had that multi-pin connection. You could get maybe one thing that would allow you to hook up a microphone to it. There was one app that allowed you to pick up external microphones reliably and then listen to them while you were. So it was like, it was a, it gradually became a tool that was more easy to work with that was better. Like the camera was lower resolution. Now any, any iPad pro is going to have 4k capable recording exponentially better than anything that we had to work on. That was video based at least, but the barrier of entry has become so low and the tools so accessible and learning how to use them. I, do, I think is enough itself engaging because the mystique of, of filmmaking of a film crew of a guy holding a, or we'll say an operator holding a boom pole, you know, it's like, there's a, there's some iconic things about the process of quote filmmaking or content creation. I think is sort of like the way we, we sort of express it today. So it feels like something bigger and richer and more fun, maybe, and more engaging. Um, and that's just become more common, I think, as you see the coax cable being removed from the classroom and the ability to stream live over Wi-Fi to every smart board in your school. Um, that's in, in, you know, in K-12, we are certainly seeing that all these morning news and announcement shows are all done this way. 
not the the only way that we had it was they rolled a cart in they plugged it into the wall and you'd watch whatever now it's like you just turn the board on and there's the morning announcements and it's happening live in the other room or on, the, on an ipad so um it, it's recognizable tools so i think it's fun but i think it's evolved to the point where and this isn't my doing uh, this is people saying wow i can do that with this and running with it that's what i love about education is i i get to learn about what this is capable of. I didn't know about morning news and announcements until someone said, I want to do a four camera, you know, morning news show, mm. you know, go to the weather, go to sports, go to the food fight, like that kind of, you know, um, I'm constantly surprised by the, by the applications that other people, other educators are bringing to this. So, you know, like I said, I was, I was kind of a gadget guy and a film geek. So this was kind of a cool thing, but I can totally see where education found it and brought it to this sort of, you know, this place where I think it's, um, you know, it's really advanced with the technology. And as, it, uh, like I said, the cost of the technology is getting lower, people are really embracing it more. Yeah, because I think like that, you know, just what I'm hearing from you, like those are kind of like the action words of just like, like one, like the hardware, like an iPad or iPhone, whatever, whatever it would be like, you know, it's become cheaper and higher quality, but then just sort of like it's, steered in the direction of trying to become as sort of like user-friendly intuitive or simple you know and that sort of thing where it's like and that idea of like if you want to get started just like doing something that's easier than ever and there's still sort of that path of like you know okay well i want to make a feature-length film and all that it's like you could and people have like filmed it all on an iphone or something and like you know kind of gone super deep on that but like yeah you could kind of take inspiration from now you know a modern sophisticated news production and do your morning announcements with multi-camera whatever and it's like mm -hmm. and even just like kind of by, by, by like plugging in that structure do it in really high quality and effective way and you don't need to like kind of go much deeper than that but you could and like you know because i think people can you know students could certainly like follow their interests down certain paths now but now like the the barriers to entry i guess is what i'm trying to say are so much lower and like for me i remember like it was very clunky, like expensive, fragile hardware, like back in high school doing uh, video production stuff. Like they had this little makeshift studio and we would do like the morning announcements and stuff. But, uh, you know, I think it even for us, I feel like we were just a bunch of high school kids kind of like scrambling and fumbling our way to like doing something. And it was like fine. It was like, OK, but it was just like it felt like a very awkward time in terms of like, it wasn't super digital friendly. Yeah. Like we were editing, uh, digital, but, um, so I think, yeah, just seeing that students now could go through several years of K through 12 and come into college, you know, whenever that time may be for them with a lot of different skills. And, you know, even, even if they haven't had maybe like these formal learning experiences, hopefully there's enough sort of like content out there or anything that's sort of like, they can kind of check themselves and kind of learn as they go if they're just sort of like doing it independently. But all that to be said, how do you see these skills along around content creation, which I think is that sort of more like liberal term of like, well, we're not like making films. We're not, you know, filmmakers or whatever. But it's like, yeah, you might just making yeah videos for for TikTok or this, that, the other thing. But it's like you're, you're, you have something you want to say, you're trying to convey it and doing it in a compelling, engaging way, whatever. How do you see these skills around content creation being relevant to college students today, you know, people who are trying to pursue their career goals and, and whatever else, like, how do you see like content creation skills being really relevant? 
Well, I mean, you made a point earlier on. I think it's, it's, it, it's worth elaborating on that. There are filmmakers shooting on iPhones and making feature films on phones because of budgetary constraints. But don't tell me Steven Soderbergh has a problem raising money to make a film. He chose to do, shoot High Flying Bird on a phone. And then I think he shot another film as well because that was a conscious decision. It was a creative decision. So that's where it sort of becomes something that's not just, oh, necessity, you know, requires that budget money. So, you know, I think as it relates to people in higher ed, uh, I know for a fact that, at you know, um, a professor of mine at NYU has a, he teaches a digital filmmaking class because it's a, it's the, the tools, so many of the things translate. So if those are the same, and yet a phone affords you the ability to take risks because what's the worst that could happen? Just delete it, start over, right? I mean, data's cheap. It's not going to cost you anything. Film was $200 for 11 minutes and you couldn't even see it for three days. So there is some obvious advantages. So, you know, it's, I, I think, you know, in terms of higher ed, whether it's specific to, you know, like a, a film program, I've known film programs that require their first film be shot on a mobile device just for that sense of don't feel burdened by, you know, the fact that you're shooting on, on film or digital. I mean, I guess they throw people into DSLRs and things now more than ever, but even that can get costly because, you know, the, the gear is more, the SD cards are more, the drives are more, it just, it requires more infrastructure. But I think the most impressive thing I've seen in higher ed is just to see a journalism school basically take their news correspondence to the Republican and Democrat candidates election night headquarters and do live feeds, you know, over iPad to over Skype to Skype enterprise with a hotspot in their pocket. And then basically do a live feed to the anchor desk at Stony Brook in, uh, you know, it's, it's a SUNY school. That's a realistic application. Now that's not just something where it's like, how do we do this without spending thousands of thousands or we just can't do this. We'll go and we'll take a pad and we'll, you know, Go back to Stone Age journalism, <laughs> which is, you know, I look, I'm a hats off to anybody who's, who does any form of journalism, but mobile journalism is a real movement. Um, I mean, when's the last time you saw someone speaking publicly without someone holding a phone up to record it? I think, yeah, specifically focusing on just sort of like the learning experiences, like kind of what you're saying is that, you know, there's such a broad apl applicability where like there's definitely very clear. Yeah. Like with journalism or, you know, yeah, if you're doing sports coverage or something like these skills are going to be pretty much one to one. But like to your point, though, like if you're just like, you know, the comms person for an organization that does any number of things, it's like it is just nowadays you want to get the message out. You're trying to promote yourself and do advertise it, whatever. But you could be a, you know. A plumbing company and you're just trying to like get more people to like consume your services or whatever and it's like yeah maybe we'll be making some videos or doing whatever like and it's just an idea of like you can say you know whatever degree you have whatever jobs you hold uh you know whatever the titles are like you have the skills of content creation and you could be just sort of oscillating them where it's like, Oh, we're doing more audio we're doing more video or, you know, uh, doing whatever to try to reach our audience and whether it's to engage our current customers, get prospective ones, whatever, like, you know, students in college are trying to build their skills, trying to figure out, you know, who they are, what they want to do and, you know, how they're going to do it. So I feel like, you know, having these kind of experiences where it could be like, yeah, you know, like I, you know, for years in college did the sports coverage for our, you know, campus show or whatever. And then it's like, 
I don't really do that anymore, but I still am the person that helps to like do the PR for our law form, law firm or something. And I like, and we'll make videos or something. We'll do whatever, you know, like that idea where it's like, yeah, I'll be the one that's holding the camera because I'll be able to like, you know, capture it and live stream it or do whatever with it. And I know how to do it well. I know how to get that message out in a clear and compelling way and everything. So I, I think that's just what's always exciting for me where I feel like, uh, you know, I'm even starting to see with some of the work that, but I do, you know, the message or something, you know, or whatever organization you're working with, like, doesn't matter as much, I guess, for like what I'm doing. Like that, that's up to you to like figure out like what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. Like I will, you know, capture it and sort of like bring that all together and, you know, present it in the best way that I can. But I'm not the one necessarily to say how you should talk about your, your mission or your values or whatever else. So it's just like, I have this sort of portable skill set that I could sort of take a lot of places. And I think nowadays that's really powerful for students. So I don't know if you have any sort of thoughts around that where, you know, the the notion or sort of the potential of like enabling students to have content creation skills that are super sort of portable. Hey, it's Dustin here. Exciting news. I'll be at the Engage Summit in Raleigh, North Carolina on June 25th and 26th, and I'd love to meet you there. Hosted by Element 451, the Engage Summit is your roadmap for AI readiness in higher education. Sessions will focus on cutting-edge AI applications that are reshaping student outreach, enhancing staff productivity, and offering deep insights into ROI. This isn't your typical conference. It's a strategic summit where you'll learn from the best about leveraging AI and digital strategies in higher ed marketing. Imagine two days filled with hands-on sessions, real success stories, and the chance to network with top minds in the field. You'll leave with practical, transformative takeaways as you learn how AI fosters a more personalized, efficient approach from recruitment to student success. Oh, and the best part? The Engage Summit is incredibly affordable. Use the discount code Enrollify50 and you can register for just $99. So join me and many of my fellow Enrollify network creators at the Engage Summit this June. Learn more and register at engage.element451.com. Can't wait to see you there. Well, I think in there more and more they inherently have them because we understand the language of images and video innately much more than we did 20 years ago. Everyone's out there shooting something, right? Everyone understands how to watch something. Now, does everyone know how to deconstruct what they've seen? I just watched Misery with my 13-year-old and he was so scared that we had to watch the Oscar acceptance speech. I forgot her name, the woman the woman who played the, you know, the, the, the biggest fan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kathy Bates, I think. Uh, Kathy Bates. It was Kathy Bates. He was that, you know, but it was because of the, the care with which they made this, this, you know, this, this, that they built this building. Now everyone doesn't understand the deconstruction of why images work together. The, the relationship between two shots with different lighting compositions or do different kinds of framing and, and why a lot of people do though, more and more. Um, that's not the only thing that's sort of a translatable skill. Because you said something really important is that you can take that and you can be someone who is at your company who does all of the social media videos, does all the videos for the new hires, does all the training videos for your internal team. We've had many of that. They're like, I can't stop working because this crew that costs $60,000 a day is coming in. And then the next time I need something done, it's another, everyone has to stop. We pay this huge amount of money. We need someone who can just take this over. And so many people now come with enough of a, of a background in it that they can learn 
the tech, a little bit of the technical skill, a little bit of the storytelling skill that goes to, you know, that speaks to the kind of job. Um, and a lot of it is just no more than brand building. That's why we were, ta- I was talking to you before that we started, um, you know, the idea of having a video podcast that can be released as a 30 minute video can be released as six little 30 second sound bites, though I, I'm way too long winded to give you any of those. Um, and then an audio podcast is better for your brand than just having an audio podcast out there. The more people understand how to do all of those things well and get at this sort of baseline of quality that's quite easy to do with mobile devices and inexpensive hardware or accessories. Um, you know, I think the more people will be able to wrap their heads around that notion, build their brands, tell their stories. And we, we taught a class, uh, it was for much younger kids. And at the end of it, we asked what they wanted to be. And, and, and it's just YouTuber, YouTuber, YouTuber. It was just, you know, and it was sort of got funny after a while, but I was sort of, you know, at the end, it's like how, you can't dismiss everyone who wants to go out there and be a content creator. It's fun right? They want to make their mark. That's, that is the way that people are finding that they can do it now. Well, and I think to that point, cause I think a lot of people have like rolled their eyes at that notion, but it's like nowadays seeing like the wide plethora of content that's out on YouTube where it's like, yeah, they're just saying YouTube, like they're in, they might not even know necessarily like what kind of content they want to create yet, but it's like, yeah, there's people where it's like, yeah, I make instructional videos about woodworking on YouTube, like that's the primary place that I put them and promote them out. Where it's just like, yeah, like I have something I want to say, and this is the way that I'm going to say it. And then, like you said, it's like it's such a, you know, you start from there and you can break it down. But like, I think that's, I'm imagining that so many people in the past probably would have been like, you know, there's a peak era where like people would be like, oh, I want to be an author, I want to be an author, I want to be an author, and it's like, yeah, because like there's a lot of books out there, you know, like you could write books about whatever you want. Or, you know, like, oh, I want to be an actor. I want to be an actor. It's like, yeah, you could be comedic. You could be, you know, dramatic. You could be, you know, doing whatever. So that's where, like, I think there's definitely room at the table for everybody kind of thing. And just trying to see where it's like, even the idea of some people purposely always, you know, and I think I would always kind of fall in this camp. It's like, I don't know if I'd ever want to be like, oh, I'm a full time podcaster and just doing this all the time. It's like, I consider myself a podcaster but it's like it's always just a fun independent side project in a way to sort of like nurture sort of a creative outlet and it's like the idea that some people would be like well i want to do that but i don't know if that's only what i want to do forever and always and just that you know like so i don't know yeah i think it's interesting and i really like the, the other kind of examples that you gave around like yeah you could be like working in hr like you're just sort of like you know whatever your title is there but it's like we need to create the onboarding videos about just like our company and the things that we want you to know. And maybe we want to, yeah, make some flashy, cool, like intros for our new hires and stuff. And like that, that culture building, that would be huge to, again, like convey things in a really clear and compelling way. And if it's like, again, if there's maybe a deterrent or people are uh, hesitant to get into it and the fact that you kind of, again, help them kind of start somewhere with like, okay, here's some hardware, like to make sure you kind of like a well-lit, stable you know video or whatever like it's just that idea of hopefully we get to a point where the content creation skills people feel a lot more formalized in it because i think again like you're saying like so many people anecdotally will be like oh you know i film stuff where it's like well yeah you're just laying in your bed and holding your phone and awkward like because it doesn't matter but hopefully we can build upon that to get to a point where like you understand why something would be framed in a certain way why something would be in a way that almost is like, wait, isn't that wrong? It's like, technically, sure, yes, but that's actually like conveying a certain thing. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, like 
every little bit and piece is or should be, I guess, chosen for a reason. Like, why was that thing in the background or why was, you know, like whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, so, you know, the fact that like the soft skills of content creation would be in a place to where you get hired at a company and they're like, yeah, we need to like refresh all of our like HR videos. And it's like, cool. What what tools do you have for me to work with? You know? And it's like, we've got this hardware or whatever. We're going to do the shooting here. We're going to, you know, whatever. So it's like, that would be a a very interesting new world, I guess, is that like the skills would be so much more widely available. You know, you talk about soft skills, but talk about hard skills. You know, there's no major in intention, perseverance, right? That the people who succeed in these places are doing the work. They have a message and a perspective. They understand what that is and they drive to it. They basically whittle down into this is who I'm going to be here in this space. And there's other people, but this is me. And that's that makes me me and unique. Then I'm going to do this every day or every three days or every week, but I'm going to do it. Um, you know, you're talking about everyone wants to be a writer. Well, Everyone wants to be a writer until you start getting rejection letters. And then you see how many people actually want to be writers, right? And then actors until they start getting rejected in auditions. And then how many actors? It's like the skills themselves are not difficult. It's the, I'm going to go to like, you know, the, what is it? The 30,000 hours, the Malcolm Gladwell outliers. Not everyone needs 30,000 hours to be good at what they, uh, to, at what they do. But none of it happens overnight, or if it does, it happens for very few people. And of course, those are the ones that are, oh, well, look what they did. I'll just do that. Well, you know, most overnight sensations are like 20 years in the making, and it's a lot of hard work. And so, you know, no one teaches that. I've never met anybody who came out of film school uh, that didn't feel like they, the last class they took was called, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. <laughs> But you have to figure out how to make that work for you, whether it's HR videos and shooting cool stuff for a band on the side, right? Or getting out there and, you know, writing something, going and finding friends. There's always something that you can do if you're inventive enough, hungry enough. Um, You know, the tools that I'm talking about here are just a means to an end. Um, You know, in the hands of a creative person, you, you could, you know, you could do it on anything. Um, and if it's worth, if, if it's saying something that's worth watching, people will watch. I will, at least I promise send it, send it over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I think that's a really good point is like, and I think this is the idea of like, you know, nurturing these skills in a learning environment. Like, you know, if you're in K through 12 or higher ed is that you would be able to help nurture those like hard skills of like how to frame a shot and how to edit and do whatever. But then like, yeah, the perseverance, the sort of like confidence and all that, like if you're in college, like that's, that's kind of part of the mix. It's like, yeah, we assume you don't know anything. That's why you're here. And we're going to create a learning environment where you feel supported to mess up and try things and kind of just, you know, get to a point that when you're on the other side, yeah, like you have done enough of like kind of the side projects and all that to, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like have, have the you know, wherewithal to kind of keep pushing forward and everything. So I, I think that's a really good call out, but, yeah. um, I guess I'll, I'll try to kind of wrap up quickly here. Um, 
because I think you're, we're sort of giving like advice and stuff uh, and all that. But like, uh, <laughs> should we be the wrong? <laughs> well, you know, it, like... it's like uh, I don't know how I'd, I would frame it. It's just like you know, just little grains of uh, you know wisdom. Take take them, uh, do with them what you will. But I guess you know, for and this could just be any of these areas or all of them. There's just like one thing or uh, what, but just like advice around like just getting started, you know, in this area. Like, I think, again, a lot of the sort of barriers have started to erode, but just like from your experience now, any advice that you would give to students, faculty and or staff trying to get started in this sort of environment of cultivating Mm -hmm. more content creation skills? Well, inside of school or outside on your, like, are you in the, in deeply within this higher ed space or on your way out to the next step? I I would say like within the higher ed space. So like people who are trying to like, make these learning experiences within the walls of the institution um, advice for kind of getting started in this area. Well, you said it best. I think you, you said something very, very telling, which is, and I, I think about it all the time is, you know, if used correctly, it is an amazing uh, environment for you to screw up all the time with zero consequence that does not exist in the real world the way it does in school. And that's like, I, I love that. I miss that. I cherish that. Like it made, it gave me, I made so many mistakes. I mean, man, did I just screwed this up, screwed that up. I would cast two people who looked exactly the same. And I was like, well, I know they're different. Like it's just, that's one of a thousand things I, you know, learned. Don't cast two people that look the same if they're not supposed to be twins. Um, but there was no, the, the, the consequence for that was I learned how to do it better. So if I can go out there, and I, and I remember saying, like, if I can go out there and I'm doing 65, 70% of this job well, based on the mistakes I made and what I learned here, I'm, I think I'm okay. I don't think I'll get fired from every job that I have. <laughs> you know, I didn't dare to say that I'm going to come out batting a thousand. That's just not going to happen. But that's the, this is the place to learn to make mistakes and to learn from them. That's the, to me, that's the, the greatest single thing that higher ed can offer is that testing ground for experimenting, taking risks, getting snuffed, picking yourself up, learning from those things. If you're open to it, um, you know, there's certainly plenty of kids who walk in thinking they know everything there is to know. And they, sometimes there's no speaking to them at all. Um, but certainly in a creative endeavor like this, uh, I think that, you know, the people who are kind of pretending and you know, puffing up because they're insecure about not knowing, they get revealed very quickly. And, um, you know, if you can be honest with yourself and look at it as a great place to, you know, develop skills. And like I said, it's the only place I know of where you can't get fired for screwing up everything. So screw up. And then by the time you're out there, if this is what you want to do with your life, you'll know a lot more about how to do it right than do it wrong. That's great advice for a student. And like, that's what you want to be able to create for your students is like, you know, those sort of, you know, that kind of like safety net or whatever. Cause I think it's like, yeah, you could be doing this through like a formal academic program and classes or whatever, or maybe it's just like a club for students who are interested. You're trying to like cultivate these skills. Like, yeah, like that doesn't matter. Do whatever works for your institution. As long as that is at the heart and at the core is that students are, uh, creating things and feeling sort of that ability to kind of continuously improve and iterate and sort of like get feedback and know like, yeah, this was kind of probably 70% of the way there, but like this was a thing, like this was a short film. Like it, it, you know, uh, it exists, it happened, it's done. And now, you know, like 
you know, from that experience, how you'll do better next time and all that. And I think like for these creative endeavors, the, the idea if it is for like an academic course or something, you would do that. And it's still like, hey, this is an A, like, because again, like it is a finished thing, even though like, here's all the things that you could do better next time. Here's a bunch of like, you know, metaphorical red ink on your movie or whatever. But like, uh, and I, I've had professors like that where it was, I was just writing papers and it was literal red ink and all that. It's like, they would still give me a high grade, but it was just the idea of like, here's just feedback to do better next time. Like, it was not as if like you did this wrong. It's just like, I, I know that this could be even better. And like that sort of encouragement and that sort of environment, it's just like, however you're doing this, make sure that that's at the core. So uh, final question here though, and I'll kind of, I guess, guide you. Cause I feel like you've already given so many amazing, like final thoughts and like calls to action and device and everything here. So just every thought I have is a final thought, right? It is, everything <laughs> is just a powerful quote. And, you know, uh, cause I think this is, you know, like you said, there's a lot of different sort of paths that you can start to kind of veer down for this conversation. So if folks want to kind of get connected with you, podcaster and everything else, it's the best way to sort of find resources or, you know, keep in touch with you, keep the conversation going. Well, I mean, our site is padcaster.com. That's, you know, where you can see what we do and how it's done and look at videos teaching you how to do it. And uh, a lot of embarrassing videos of me, um, you know, showing mistakes that you can make and why not to make them as I make them in real time. But, you know, it's, it, and I want to make that distinction, like in chemistry, you can blow up the chem lab if you're wrong, right? I mean, they we're not talking about that sort of right and wrong. The idea that you would grade art Right or award art is sort of like in some sense it it's, it it doesn't make it's silly, but in terms of a practical skill set, understanding what you're doing and 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 having a professional baseline of skill that you can apply to earn a living is there that, that's real. Uh, unfortunately, still on the artist formerly known as Twitter, uh, as much as I would not like to be, I think it's uh, one of those things that as a company you have to be in. We have uh, Facebook and and all the socials, but um, site's the best place to start because, you know, you can see a lot of examples of how, you know, people in education, students, teachers are using these things that I haven't even talked about. And uh, I think the sky's the limit. That's why it's like, I'm, I'm just excited to learn more from, you know, how they are seeing something in what we make and seeing something that they want to do. Um, Cause that, that's, again, that's kind of what makes it exciting. Treasure trove of resources on the site and uh, certainly uh, all the socials to get connected with and follow. Uh, I mean, I really appreciate you giving your time here, the work that you do and I uh, really look forward to just the more awesome stuff that'll come out of uh podcaster and just the ways that you've, uh, you know, helped make other, you know, future content creators and stuff and the work that you do. So um really do appreciate your time and all you share. The Hired Geek Podcast is a part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, chances you'll like all the other Enrollify shows too. Podcast Network is growing constantly and we've got a plethora of marketing, enrollment, and higher technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks all designed to empower you to be a better hired professional. Our shows help you find your next big idea and feature a selection of the industry's best as your host. Learn from people like Jamie Hunt, Seth O'Dell, Dave Kibbolds, and Eddie Francis, as well as so many other of your favorite leaders in higher education. Enrollify is made possible by the support of Element 451 leading AI-powered, all-in-one student engagement platform helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com.